Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is Brad with Mount Washington Missionary Baptist Church, and this is our adult Bible study companion. We invite you to come out to be with us live and in person every Wednesday night at 6.30, every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock for Bible study. We're located at 530 Delania Drive in beautiful Mount Washington, Kentucky, 40047. And we have been working our way through Genesis and we are today in the 22nd chapter of Genesis. In this chapter, a lot of times, um, people throw their hands in the air and they say, oh my goodness, how bad, uh, what kind of God are we serving that would tempt something of this uh, capacity to to Abraham? And they people get all kind of various thoughts about it. And I think we, we miss a lot of times the true nature of what this chapter is, is trying to teach us. So let's see if we can get in here and figure out, instead of talking about God's tempting us, let's look at what he's actually trying to tell us here, which is giving us a reflection about how good he is. So in the 22nd chapter of Genesis, it starts out, it says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, take, thy, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Okay, we're going to take a pause there. Now you read that and you're like, oh, that's awful. How could a loving God ever ask something of, of one of his children to do something like that? I, I would say that you or I probably wouldn't... Uh, wouldn't offer up our son uh, for a sacrifice. Well, before we get too far down that road, let's look at uh, the first chapter of James. I'm not going to read it for you, but in the first chapter of James, the 13th verse, it talks about all the ways that God can tempt us and the ways that he can't tempt us. Specifically, it tells us that God cannot tempt us with evil. Okay, so if we flip that over here to the 22nd chapter of Genesis, we're like, well, he's telling Abraham to sacrifice his son. Well, that would be murder. (laughs) Okay, that would be an evil thing. If we look at it from a, a temptation standpoint, that God is tempting Abraham to murder his son for God's pleasure. And that's completely not what this chapter is about. Uh, so let's try to reset our minds and knowing that scripture is, is true and relevant and let's take it for what it says. And it says in James that God cannot tempt with evil. So let no man say that he is tempted of God when he's tempted with, with evil. So third verse, it will, before we go there, we know that if God's not tempting with evil here, we know that the rest of this chapter has to be something good. Okay. So it's not evil has to be good. So let's look at the rest of this chapter in terms of the goodness that's in it. Third verse, And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place far off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass. And I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Okay, let's, let's pause there. Uh, first of all, uh, Abraham is going off to Mount Moriah. Now, that is not just some 
faraway land, desolate land that we never have heard of before. Anybody have a guess where that is? That's actually Jerusalem that he's going to. Mount Moriah is actually where Solomon would build his temple. Why God chose Jerusalem to be his holy city, I don't know. Uh, but God keeps score differently than, than you and I do. But I do think that there's some, some symbolism here that there is a sacrifice. It's going to be happening in Jerusalem and Mount Moriah to the north of it is Golgotha Hill to the, to the west of it is Mount Zion to the east of it is the Mount of Olives. Um, and so there is a sacrifice that's going to be, uh, made here, uh, in the Holy city. And it is on a mountain. And so people could see this from afar off. So anyway, just some various thoughts there. Now, again, we go back to how is God tempting Abraham? Well, if God is tempting Abraham, uh, to let's discuss for the sake of argument. If God would tempt Abraham with something of evil, we know he can't. But if Abraham is in on what's going to happen, if he understands what God's going to do, it's not a temptation to him. If Abraham knows that he's not going to let his son Isaac be sacrificed, then it's not a temptation. There's no evil there. Abraham is is in on all of it. Now, how do we know that he's in on all of it? Well, we look here. This is the first indication of it in verse 5. And Abraham said, to his young men, abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and come again to you. Abraham already told those two guys going with him, both of us are coming back. We're going there to worship, and we're coming back. So he already knew that that Isaac is coming back with him. Uh, There's also, if we flip over into the New Testament, I I won't uh, I won't read it to you, but it says Abraham knew that even if God did have him go through with a sacrifice, he was going to raise Isaac from the dead. Now, how, how would Abraham know that? Well, because Abraham had been promised that he would become a great nation through his son, Isaac. So God can't go back on promises. Abraham knows that. So he knows he's not going to let Isaac uh, be killed because he's got a promise. And Abraham has such great faith in God to keep his promises. He knows that Isaac is coming back with him. So what's the point in all this? We're, we're going to get to that in a second. But Abraham knows he's coming back. Uh, and so here we have, uh, again, we, two things we've already covered already. We know there's going to be a sacrifice of a promised son in Jerusalem and we have introduced to us the idea of resurrection. Well, that might start just in those first five verses there of the 22nd chapter. Now we're getting an indication of what this chapter is about. Every doctrine in the Bible has its start in Genesis. There's nothing new the rest of the Bible that wasn't mentioned in Genesis. And this is laying the way and the plan of salvation as early as the 22nd um, chapter in Genesis. Even before that, we won't belabor that point too much. But sixth verse, and Abraham took of the, and Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife and they went both of them together. Pause there for a second. So we have the promised son who's going to be carrying 
the wood up this hill where he will be sacrificed. And if he's sacrificed, he's going to resurrect and come back to us. Wonder if that story is starting to sound familiar to anybody. Um, anyway, uh, seventh verse and Isaac spake unto his father, Abraham, his father and said, my father. And he said, here am I, my son. And he said, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And so we can look at that eighth verse where Abraham says, God will provide himself a lamb for burnt offering. And we can say, well, maybe he's just patting Isaac on the head here, trying to make him feel better. Or we can take it at face value. And he knew that God was going to provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. So he already told those two guys, hey, we're coming back. We're going to worship and we're coming back. And he told his son, he's going to provide a lamb. I believe that Abraham believed with all his heart that that's exactly what God was going to do. Uh, so if you read on, I think if we read in the first chapter of Leviticus, it'll tell you all about burnt offerings, what they were there for. But that wasn't the first time that uh, in Leviticus that we ever had heard of burnt offerings. Burnt offerings were started way back when, back in the days of Adam. Matter of fact, when Noah got off the ark, the first thing he did, have a burnt offering for uh, for God. And the burnt offering has typically been uh, a an atonement for sin. Uh, matter of fact, in Leviticus, it tells all about how the, uh, the burnt offering was to take place on an altar that allowed you to get into the temple. So the altar was at the door of the temple. So the burnt offering was typically an atonement for sin. When Noah got off the ark, he wasn't, uh, you know, saying the world is now through with sin. And there was sin on that boat uh, with him. And so he's asking God to atone uh, through this, uh, through the burnt offering atone for the sins that they brought with them. So in any case, a burnt offering was always there uh, as a, a covering and atonement for sin. And uh, so that's uh, another, some more symbolism here about what this offering is going to be. So let me ask you, would offering Isaac up as a burnt offering to cover the sin uh, of the world at that point, would that be enough? Would, would God be satisfied with that? It would have been almost meaningless because uh, sacrificing Isaac would not have atoned for the sins of the world. So I think Abraham knew that as well. Ninth verse. And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. Now notice in that Abraham's a pretty old guy at this point. Um, Isaac had such belief in what his father Abraham had told him that the, it doesn't record that Isaac was fighting him at all. I think Isaac truly believed exactly what Abraham told him that God was going to provide a lamb. You know, you can't tell me that somebody, uh, a, a child like that, is not going to run and try to get away if he thinks he's going to be uh, 
sacrificed right there. But I, uh, Isaac had the belief and the same, uh, he, he believed in what his dad was telling him and he believed it to be true. And I believe that's why there's no struggle there. And then the angel calls out and says, Abraham, basically stop what you're doing. 12th verse. And he says, and he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son for me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him, a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. So God did provide a ram. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. So Jehovah Jireh, that if you interpret that, it means God will do it. God will do it. So what what will God do? Well, in the holy city, there will be a promised son who will be sent for sacrifice for us. And if he is slain, he will resurrect. And so if Jesus had just appeared in the New Testament and said, hey, everybody, I'm the son of God. I'm going to be crucified for your sins and I'm going to resurrect again. People would look and say, what? What are you talking about? Nobody would have understood it. But God is laying the groundwork for the for the way and the doctrine of salvation way back in Genesis. And here we have all of that story of Jesus wrapped up in the 22nd chapter here of Genesis 15th verse says, and the angel of the Lord called into Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, behold, uh, and said by myself, have I sworn, saith the Lord for because thou hast done this thing, thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gates of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. So God is again repeating the promise that he's already made. Again, that promise that God had made is what gave Abraham his faith in the first place. But God is repeating it here. And uh, so this story wasn't so much, uh, and I've heard you can, you can interpret it a couple different ways. God never intended for Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. And I don't believe that Abraham for a second believed that he was going to have to sacrifice Isaac because of what the Lord had already promised him. And so when you look at it from that way, Abraham is in on this whole thing. Abraham walked and talked with God. He had a relationship with God that you and I don't have and don't understand. So I believe that they were working together here. Abraham being obedient unto the father because he knew there would be a greater good to come out of this. And so we talked about this a little in in Sunday school. Um, We can look and we say, oh, my goodness. Abraham was commanded to sacrifice his son. That's terrible. And your stomach turns at that. You're like, oh, that's awful. How could anybody do that? But then God says, you know what? I'm going to send my son to be sacrificed for you. And you're like, well, well, that's better. Um, Of course, of course you would do that. You're God. Um, 
but it should be every bit of, as stomach-turning and wrenching to us that God would sacrifice his own son as it was for Abraham uh, to receive that instruction as well. And I believe that's another one of the reasons that we have this illustration so that we can have a human component in this story to realize that our sin is something to be despised, something that God hates. And we need to have an emotional attachment to the sacrifice that Jesus made and that God made with his own son. And we can see that through the humanity of Abraham. And so just something to to think on at that point. Uh, 19th verse. So Abraham returned to his young men and they rose up and went together to Beersheba and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. And it came to pass after these things that it was told Abraham saying, behold, Milcah, she hath also borne children unto thy brother Nahor, Huz, his firstborn and Buzz, his brother and Camul, the father of Aram and Chesed and Hazo and Pildash and Jidlap and Bethuel and Bethuel begat Rebekah. These eight, these eight Milcah did bear to Nahor, Abraham's brother and his concubine, whose name was Ramah, she bare also Teba and Gaham and Thahash and Mekah. So those are the last uh, few verses there of Genesis 22. And although the promise wasn't given to those people, uh, Abraham's uh, family, you know, brothers and sisters, whatnot, uh, that they would be increased. But I think sometimes it's good for us to know that our actions and how we act can bless those around us. Likewise, it's good to be around people who are close to God because you may get some of that just residual blessing just falling off of them. So uh, anyway, just uh, some closing thoughts there. So chapter 22 of Genesis, just an amazing story and foreshadowing of how Christ was coming for us. It wasn't a temptation of evil for Abraham because he knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that God was going to provide. That's what his own words said. So Abraham wasn't tempted to do evil, and we shouldn't think that way. What we should look in and say, oh my goodness, this is what God's doing for us. He did not demand that humans do that. He's going to take care of this sacrifice that we need because of our own actions. So it's just a beautiful story, sometimes misinterpreted, and sometimes as Christians we have to overcome those objections uh, Sometimes people know, they might not know anything about the Bible, but they know some of the big stories and they'll use this one against us. Well, this is not a story about an evil God. It's a story of a loving God working with his chief servant at the time to tell and communicate to us just a fantastic story and foreshadow the redemptive power of Christ. So, uh, again, we'll invite you out to Bible study every Wednesday night, 6.30, every Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. 530 Delania Drive, Mount Washington, Kentucky, 40047. We'd love to have you soon, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.